Chapter Twelve of the House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lufanu. Chapter Twelve. Some odd facts about the tiled house being an authentic narrative of the ghost of the hand i'm sure she believed every word she related for old sally was voracious but all this was worth just as much as such talk commonly is marvels fabulae what our ancestors called winter's tales which gathered details from every narrator and dilated in the act of narration still it is not quite for nothing that the house was held to be haunted under all this smoke there smouldered just a little spark of truth an authenticated mystery for the solution of which some of my readers may possibly suggest a theory though i confess i can't miss rebecca chatsworth in a letter dated in the autumn of seventeen fifty three gives a minute and curious relation of occurrences in the tiled house which it is plain although at starting she protests against all such fooleries she has heard with a peculiar sort of interest and relates it certainly with an awful sort of particularity i was for printing the entire letter which is really very singular as well as characteristic but my publisher meets me with his veto and i believe he is right the worthy old lady's letter is perhaps too long and i must rest content with a few hungry notes of its tenor that year and somewhere about the twenty fourth october there broke out a strange dispute between mr alderman harper of high street dublin and my lord castle mallard who in virtue of his cousinship to the young heir's mother had undertaken for him the management of the tiny estate on which the tiled or tiled house for i find it spelt both ways stood this alderman harper had agreed for a lease of the house for his daughter who was married to a gentleman named prosser he furnished it and put up hangings and otherwise went to considerable expense mr and mrs prosser came there some time in june and after having parted with a good many servants in the interval she made up her mind that she could not live in the house and her father waited on lord castle mallard and told him plainly that he would not take out the lease because the house was subjected to annoyances which he could not explain in plain terms he said it was haunted and that no servants would live there more than a few weeks and that after what his son-in-law's family had suffered there not only should he be excused from taking a lease of it but that the house itself ought to be pulled down as a nuisance and the habitual haunt of something worse than human malefactors lord castle mallard filed a bill in the equity side of the exchequer 
to compel mr alderman harper to perform his contract by taking out the lease but the alderman drew an answer supported by no less than seven long affidavits copies of all which were furnished to his lordship and with the desired effect for rather than compel him to place them upon the file of the court his lordship struck and consented to release him i am sorry the cause did not proceed at least far enough to place upon the files of the court the very authentic and unaccountable story which miss rebecca relates the annoyances described did not begin till the end of august when one evening mrs prosser quite alone was sitting in the twilight at the back parlor window which was open looking out into the orchard and plainly saw a hand stealthily placed upon the stone window-sill outside as if by someone beneath the window at her right side intending to climb up there was nothing but the hand which was rather short but handsomely formed and white and plump laid on the edge of the window-sill and it was not a very young hand but one aged somewhere about forty as she conjectured it was only a few weeks before that the horrible robbery at clondalkin had taken place and the lady fancied that the hand was that of one of the miscreants who was now about to scale the windows of the tiled house she uttered a loud scream and an ejaculation of terror and at the same moment the hand was quietly withdrawn search was made in the orchard but no indications of any persons having been under the window beneath which ranged along the wall stood a great column of flower-pots which it seemed must have prevented any one's coming within reach of it the same night there came a hasty tapping every now and then at the window of the kitchen the women grew frightened and the servant-man taking firearms with him opened the back door but discovered nothing as he shut it however he said a thump came on it and a pressure as of somebody striving to force his way in which frightened him and though the tapping went on upon the kitchen window-panes he made no further explorations about six o'clock on the saturday evening following the cook an honest sober woman now aged nigh sixty years being alone in the kitchen saw on looking up it is supposed the same fat but aristocratic-looking hand laid with its palm against the glass near the side of the window and this time moving slowly up and down pressed all the while against the glass as if feeling carefully for some inequality in its surface she cried out and said something like a prayer on seeing it but it was not withdrawn for several seconds after after this for a great many nights there came at first a low and afterwards an angry rapping as it seemed with a set of clenched knuckles at the back door and the servant-man would not open it but called to know who was there and there came no answer 
only a sound as if the palm of the hand was placed against it and drawn slowly from side to side with a sort of soft groping motion all this time sitting in the back parlor which for the time they used as a drawing-room mr and mrs prosser were disturbed by rappings at the window sometimes very low and furtive like a clandestine signal and at others sudden and so loud as to threaten the breaking of the pane this was all at the back of the house which looked upon the orchard as you know but on a tuesday night at about half past nine there came precisely the same rapping at the hall door and went on to the great annoyance of the master and terror of his wife at intervals for nearly two hours after this for several days and nights they had no annoyance whatsoever and began to think that nuisance had expended itself but on the night of the thirteenth september jane easterbrook an english maid having gone into the pantry for the small silver bowl in which her mistress's posset was served happening to look up at the little window of only four panes observed through an auger hole which was drilled through the window frame for the admission of a bolt to secure the shutter a white pudgy finger first the tip and then the two first joints introduced and turned about this way and that crooked against the inside as if in search of a fastening which its owner designed to push aside when the maid got back into the kitchen we are told she fell into a swoon and was all the next day very weak mr prosser being i've heard a hard-headed and conceited sort of fellow scouted the ghost and sneered at the fears of his family he was privately of opinion that the whole affair was a practical joke or a fraud and waited an opportunity of catching the rogue flagrante delicto he did not long keep this theory to himself but let it out by degrees with no stint of oaths and threats believing that some domestic traitor held the thread of the conspiracy indeed it was time something were done for not only his servants but good mrs prosser herself had grown to look unhappy and anxious they kept at home from the hour of sunset and would not venture about the house after nightfall except in couples the knocking had ceased for about a week when one night mrs prosser being in the nursery her husband who was in the parlor heard it begin very softly at the hall door the air was quite still which favoured his hearing distinctly this was the first time there had been any disturbance at that side of the house and the character of the summons was changed mr prosser leaving the parlour door open it seems went quietly into the hall the sound was that of beating on the outside of the stout door softly and regularly with the flat of the hand he was going to open it suddenly but changed his mind and went back very quietly and on to the head of the kitchen stair where was a strong closet over the pantry 
in which he kept his firearms swords and canes here he called his manservant whom he believed to be honest and with a pair of loaded pistols in his own coat pockets and giving another pair to him he went as lightly as he could followed by the man and with a stout walking cane in his hand forward to the door everything went as mr prosser wished the besieger of his house so far from taking fright at their approach grew more impatient and the sort of padding which had aroused his attention at first assumed the rhythm and emphasis of a series of double knocks mr prosser angry opened the door with his right arm across cane in hand looking he saw nothing but his arm was jerked up oddly as it might be with the hollow of a hand and something passed under it with a kind of gentle squeeze the servant neither saw nor felt anything and did not know why his master looked back so hastily cutting with his cane and shutting the door with so sudden a slam from that time mr prosser discontinued his angry talk and swearing about it and seemed nearly as averse from the subject as the rest of his family he grew in fact very uncomfortable feeling an inward persuasion that when in answer to the summons he had opened the hall door he had actually given admission to the besieger he said nothing to mrs prosser but went up earlier to his bedroom where he read a while in his bible and said his prayers i hope the particular relation of the circumstance does not indicate its singularity he lay awake a good while it appears and as he supposed about a quarter past twelve he heard the soft palm of a hand patting on the outside of the bedroom door and then brushed slowly along it up bounced mr prosser very much frightened and locked the door crying who's there but receiving no answer but the same brushing sound of a soft hand drawn over the panels which he knew only too well in the morning the housemaid was terrified by the impression of a hand in the dust of the little parlor table where they had been unpacking delft and other things the day before the print of the naked foot in the sea-sand did not frighten robinson crusoe half so much they were by this time all nervous and some of them half crazed about the hand mr prosser went to examine the mark and made light of it but as he swore afterwards rather to quiet his servants than from any comfortable feeling about it in his own mind however he had them all one by one into the room and made each place his or her hand palm downward on the same table thus taking a similar impression from every person in the house including himself and his wife and his affidavit deposed that the formation of the hand so impressed differed altogether from those of the living inhabitants of the house and corresponded with that of the hand seen by mr prosser and by the cook whoever or whatever the owner of that hand might be 
they all felt this subtle demonstration to mean that it was declared he was no longer out of doors but had established himself in the house and now mrs prosser began to be troubled with strange and horrible dreams some of which as set out in detail in aunt rebecca's long letter are really very appalling nightmares but one night as mr prosser closed his bedchamber door he was struck somewhat by the utter silence of the room there being no sound of breathing which seemed unaccountable to him as he knew his wife was in bed and his ears were particularly sharp there was a candle burning on a small table at the foot of the bed beside the one he held in one hand a heavy ledger connected with his father-in-law's business being under his arm he drew the curtain at the side of the bed and saw mrs prosser lying as for a few seconds he mortally feared dead her face being motionless white covered with a cold dew and on the pillow close beside her head and just within the curtains was as he first thought a toad but really the same fattish hand the wrist resting on the pillow and the fingers extended towards her temple mr prosser with a horrified jerk hitched the ledger right at the curtains behind which the owner of the hand might be supposed to stand the hand was instantaneously and smoothly snatched away the curtains made a great wave and mr prosser got round the bed in time to see the closet door which was at the other side pulled too by the same white puffy hand as he believed he drew the door open with a fling and stared in but the closet was empty except for the clothes hanging from the pegs on the wall and the dressing-table and looking-glass facing the windows he shut it sharply and locked it and felt for a minute he says as if he were like to lose his wits then ringing at the bell he brought the servants and with much ado they recovered mrs prosser from a sort of trance in which he says from her looks she seemed to have suffered the pains of death and aunt rebecca adds from what she told me of her visions with her own lips he might have added and of hell also but the occurrence which seems to have determined the crisis was the strange sickness of their eldest child a little boy aged between two and three years he lay awake seemingly in paroxysms of terror and the doctors who were called in set down the symptoms to incipient water on the brain mrs prosser used to sit up with the nurse by the nursery fire much troubled in mind about the condition of her child his bed was placed sideways along the wall with its head against the door of a press or cupboard which however did not shut quite close there was a little valance about a foot deep round the top of the child's bed and this descended within some ten or twelve inches of the pillow on which it lay they observed that the little creature was quieter whenever they took it up and held it on their laps they had just replaced him 
as he seemed to have grown quite sleepy and tranquil but he was not five minutes in his bed when he began to scream in one of his frenzies of terror at the same moment the nurse for the first time detected and mrs prosser equally plainly saw following the direction of her eyes the real cause of the child's sufferings protruding through the aperture of the press and shrouded in the shade of the valance they plainly saw the white fat hand palm downwards presented towards the head of the child the mother uttered a scream and snatched the child from its little bed and she and the nurse ran down to the lady's sleeping-room where mr prosser was in bed shutting the door as they entered and they had hardly done so when a gentle tap came to it from the outside there is a great deal more but this will suffice the singularity of the narrative seems to me to be this that it describes the ghost of a hand and no more the person to whom that hand belonged never once appeared nor was it a hand separated from a body but only a hand so manifested and introduced that its owner was always by some crafty accident hidden from view in the year eighteen nineteen at a college breakfast i met a mr prosser a thin grave but rather chatty old gentleman with very white hair drawn back into a pigtail and he told us all with a concise particularity a story of his cousin james prosser who when an infant had slept for some time in what his mother said was a haunted nursery in an old house near chapel Izzard, and who whenever he was ill over-fatigued or in any wise feverish suffered all through his life as he had done from a time he could scarce remember from a vision of a certain gentleman fat and pale every curl of whose wig every button and fold of whose laced clothes and every feature and line of whose sensual benignant and unwholesome face was as minutely engraven upon his memory as the dress and liniments of his own grandfather's portrait which hung before him every day at breakfast dinner and supper mr prosser mentioned this as an instance of a curiously monotonous individualized and persistent nightmare and hinted the extreme horror and anxiety with which his cousin of whom he spoke in the past tense as poor jemmy was at any time induced to mention it i hope the reader will pardon me for loitering so long in the tiled house for this sort of lore has always had a charm for me and people you know especially old people will talk of what most interests themselves too often forgetting that others may have had more than enough of it End of chapter 12 Recording by John Brandon